Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Okay, well, a little, <laughs> a little bit of uh, LGBT gay rights update from the uh, Trump administration. The ooh, uh, Trump ooh, administration. <laughs> this is going to be yeah, big news. yeah. Big uh, little curveball here. The Trump administration is moving to scrap <laughs> an Obama-era policy that protected LGBTQ patients from discrimination. Um, the health Shocking. department, Shocking. yeah, I know, huge surprise. The health department is close is close to finalizing its long-developing rewrite of Obamacare's Section 1557 provision, which barred healthcare discrimination based on sex and gender identity. Uh, The broad rule also offered specific protections for transgender patients for the first time and extended protections for women who had abortions. Um, So, you know, there you go. Wait, wait, so wait, in in layman's terms, I mean, just to kind of simplify it, it basically means if, if a, if a queer person or a trans identifying person or a gender non-binary person or a woman who has previously had an abortion goes in to receive medical care and discloses that they are whatever they are, have had an abortion, have are queer, whatever, that that healthcare provider cannot discriminate against that person on the basis of whatever they disclose. I don't get it. What does that, wait, what does that mean for like, what is it like? So like a conservative, uh, uh, doctor may hear that a woman has had an abortion in the past and then deny her service because he or she does not believe in abortion or a person doesn't believe that a person can be trans. They can be. And that, that person then won't be treated because the doctor doesn't believe in trans identifying people. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's basically protecting the patient from discrimination on the healthcare provider's side. Mm-hmm. It's, a blank, it's a blanket term. I mean, it's, yeah, that's it. I don't know. What else. I mean, it's just so straight. I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I just, it's so brazenly awful. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we talked about this, you know, we touched upon a similar topic a couple of weeks ago, but it's just, it's just surprising that they kind of, they take such strident stances with, I think, um, a social issue that, that, that I think probably 90% of people would agree that regardless of who you are, a com- LGBTQ identity aside, uh, most of us believe that if you go to a hospital, you are deserving of, of treatment yeah, uh, yeah. or go to a doctor, you're deserving of, you know, the dignity of, of being seen by that doctor. So I, it's just, it's an interesting example of, I think, what, what or, can or, be accomplished by a Republican administration that kind of flies under the radar. I mean, just to tweak a little bit, not just being seen by the doctor, but that the doctor is going to have just like a journalist would or, or anybody would have an unbiased opinion about this person's healthcare because it is a human being sitting in front of them and not have their own biases play into the healthcare that they provide to their patients. Uh, and I think that's a really important thing that for years, I mean, at people of color, specifically African-Americans, have had to deal with in the past with civil rights cases where people believe that African-Americans somehow had a different physiological makeup than mm-hmm. white people. And so they didn't get certain medical care because white doctors didn't know how to treat black people or mm-hmm. women for years. I mean, Elliot, you're in Maya's mothers. Like, we, they both got turned away or denied mm-hmm. or or 
disregarded because their symptoms weren't taken seriously because male doctors predominantly said, oh, you're probably just aging or it's hormonal or it's whatever. And later it turns out to be something very serious. So this is a big issue within healthcare in general, not just with LGBTQ people, Mm -hmm. but the Trump administration specifically targeting trans people and this one clause that applies to trans people is really troubling. And it's, 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 it's something that they have been doing for years in small, subtle ways so that right. we don't get too angry, but yet yeah, I rem- slowly dismantles the, the I remember story. you saying uh, on an earlier podcast when I think I asked, like, what is, how does this, like, how does it seem to just happen so sweeping, in such a sweeping way for trans people? Like, how is their focus so distinctly on trans people? And you said it's like they don't make, it's not like these big, grand gestures with press conferences. It's small behind the scenes tweaking to like, you know, to, to erode their protections. Yeah. And it's just, and, and it's so, I mean, it's all to say it's cruel is an understatement just to it's think also, that it's a, it's a, it's like a mandate. I mean, I'm, I'm a, you know, pretty smart guy and political as well, but it's easy to forget these things. I mean, how many times have we talked about the little tiny tweaks the Trump administration has done, you know, 99% of the time against the gay the gay community but I couldn't rattle you off a list right now and you know a lot of times when it comes to gay rights you think about sort of the big ticket issues you think about you know non-discrimination policies at work and gay marriage and mm-hmm. you know uh and so I, I it's it's it, it, I think they they can accomplish these things because they're, they easily kind of slide under the radar. And well, and, and, and because oftentimes, you know, these things aren't even brought to light unless there's a court case or unless someone, and oftentimes the, the victim of discrimination doesn't have the means to bring a lawsuit or know or have the wherewithal to even understand the policy within the government's, you know, healthcare makeup, the Affordable Care Act understanding that they have rights that they then can go to legal organizations to get assistance with so that they aren't discriminated against. And so a lot of times these people are just left discriminated against and without health care. It's also so, it's just so, it speaks so much uh, to say in one, in the same breath that the idea is like, well, they can, they can hopefully have, you know, uh, a, a medical professional turn away a patient because he or she doesn't believe in someone being trans, if that's the case. And it's the same thing for a woman who's had an abortion. Like the idea of like this, like this marker on their back, a woman who's had an abortion, that being equated to like a trans person, it's just the most blatant, um, you know, hatred and cruelty toward a type of belief, a type of practice. It's just, it's just so wild. But I wanted to Okay. I, I was just going to say, have you, do you guys have any experience? Have you ever been discriminated against by a doctor that you've noticed? When I had, when everything kind of got started with my cancer situation, I went to a, out here in Los Angeles, a gay doctor, because I didn't have, I was living in New York at the time. I didn't have a doctor out here. And so I went to this doctor of a friend of mine. Um, and I, I wouldn't say he discriminated against me, but there was this presumption that, my problem, which I knew was something, was being dismissed because he assumed it was an STD. And I'm telling him I haven't, that too. I haven't been in a situation where I would become exposed to an STD. And I don't, I really doubt that it's an STD unless it's, unless I'm the Virgin Mary of HIV. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I, I don't think this is what you think the it is. Saint of HIV. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think this is what you think it is. And 
And then I remember when I went to go get my blood work, he called me the night before, I think my surgery or something. And, oh no, he called me um, when the blood work came back and he, he sounded almost like nervous on the phone. And I think it was because he had presumed something that I had adamantly said, no, that is not it. I know that's not it. Listen to me. And that's mm-hmm. really, that's really the foundation of this is that oftentimes our own privilege and our own sort of like status within whatever community we're in, we let that blind us and we don't listen to people. And that includes doctors. I've had something similar to that too. I don't remember, I don't remember the exact details of it, but there was something where like the doctor in a sense, it felt like it was like a microaggression, the Mm. idea of, of being judged for being gay because he just assumed that it was like a, something related to like an STD or something. And Mm. I remember being like, that's, no, that's not, you're jumping to a bizarre conclusion. I mean, yeah. his, his credit, you are unhinged, so. I mean, I was going to say, I think under <laughs> I those circumstances, you were still probably there covered in, like, warts or something, but, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, Ew, uh, don't still, put that he's, thought in people's minds, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, had a, I had a straight doctor, I think I've said this before in the podcast, but I had a straight doctor in Chelsea once tell me, I, I'm a gay guy, I should be more built. <laughs> What? Yeah, yeah. I had a, a straight doctor tell me I wasn't like jacked enough. To be gay. <laughs> I, like, oh, I like put my shirt back on in the doctor's office. <laughs> I do remember when I was a kid, uh, um, and I didn't know anything about the blood ban, like that they weren't accepting people like gay men's blood at blood donation centers and stuff. Like I had no idea, and my school had a blood donation thing, and I went to do it, and they told me I had a fever, and I'm like. I don't, after I filled out the form and stuff and I was like, I don't have a fever. Like I don't have a fever. They didn't take your temperature. Did they? They did. They did. They did. And they told me I had a fever and I was like, I don't have a fever. I know I don't have a fever. So I went to the nurse thinking I was sick and she took my temperature. I didn't have a fever. And then she, I told her the situation and then she explained cause she, her, the nurse and I were tight. You know what I mean? Right. And so like she, of course, every gay kid, they love the nurse. Um, and I, uh, she explained to me the whole donation like the whole gay ban on blood donation stuff. And it really blew me away. I was like, I didn't feel discriminated against, but I did feel, well, I kind of did. I don't know how I felt. You should, I mean. Well, I did, but but it wasn't like a direct, like no one was mean and you expect discrimination to be mean. You know what I mean? And, And everyone was really nice and understanding and it was like, it was bureaucracy that they had to deal with. And I was this teenager who was in the mix of it and they had to deal with that. And I, I sympathize with the adults having to deal with that even like it was a weird moment for me. Mm-hmm. I know Andy Cohen is actually like making a move to put, to get it overturned so that, yeah, that, that the ban on gay guys donating yeah. blood. And right. I guess, I guess I like him now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that makes one person on this podcast. Yeah. Not even joking. Okay. Hey, we're here with Megan Gailey. Hi, Megan. <laughs> Comedian, <laughs> spokeswoman extraordinaire. Yes. Megan Gailey. I, I, I right, always what forget. are you a spokeswoman for again? I was the um, Blue Diamond Almond Girl. Mm-hmm. That's right. That, that's that right. Past tense. Mm-hmm. I feel like I still see They your didn't call me that, but I called myself <laughs> that. I was, just, in, I was in a Blue Diamond Almond commercial, but mm-hmm. I was like, I am the face of. <laughs> Almonds terrify me. Ter- as a nut, Why? almonds are one of the scarier nuts for me because so I. Oh, you, so I you couldn't have not. You would not have gotten through this job. I had to eat. <laughs> mm. 
Mm. I had to eat like a hundred almonds. Holy shit. And wow. to the point where it they was They recommend like the, six. They, it, I know, I know. I had I had a bulimics overuse of almonds that week. <laughs> so and I it was like the wasabi and soy flavoring. Was oh what I was oh eating God. and it mattered. I had to like for the beauty shot, you had to see the the, the seasoning dust. on there. You see the yes. dust. And so it got to the point where I would chew them in my mouth and then spit them into a bucket. Mm, classic. All, then all I was getting was wasabi and soy. And oh, so no. my stomach was so fucked up that they treated me. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask, I've, I've heard lore for years of people who are in a commercial where you have to eat something. And like, if you do a hundred takes, you know, you sometimes can spit it out, but occasionally, you know, if you have to chew for a minute, you're going to, you're just going to swallow. Like what happened? Like, did you have to barf at one point? Like, or were, did I they just provide later? I pitched later because it was shot in San Francisco. And so Mm. I like ate a bunch of things and then got into a car and then started going on those hills. Oh, yeah. And the wasabi and soy and my like (laughs) semi empty stomach. Um, I got back to the hotel and puked. Wow. What hotel were you at though? Yeah, was I, was I, was at a, I was at Radisson? the, um, no, it, uh, the Fairmont. Oh, I've seen the Fairmont. I saw, um, what's his name? Ryan O'Neill there once. He was very angry. I hmm. saw Idris Elba. Oh, there. you wow. win. Wait, yeah. I thought Fairmont was kind of like middle of the road, sort of like no. Hampton. No, no. Fairmont no. is on top of Knob Hill, right? Yeah, right? like it's yeah, on top it's, of Knob Hill. It's Gorgeous. so pretty. Yeah. yeah. And I had, I mean, Blue Diamond, they got money. They, I yeah. had a suite that I felt, I felt like Kevin McAllister. Like, truly, yeah. I was like <laughs> being trashy in every inch of it. Good. <laughs> mil- they make they make the almond milk, right? The popular yeah. almond milk. Yeah, yeah that's mon- that's they've got money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, sorry about the quarantine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, I need to go back, Alan. Why are you afraid of almonds? I, I I'm definitely afraid of like chipping teeth and losing teeth, and like that's a big thing. And of all of the nuts in the world, the almond seems to be the most sort of dense. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It just it's it hard. feels. It's very, it's very intimidating. Whereas, like a peanut or a cashew, they crunch beautifully in your mouth. What about cashew? a Brazil nut? But Br- no, I don't go that. Not all of us have that money, Elliot. All right, yeah, right. I hate Elliot, Brazil nuts. We stick to Elliot's almonds, peanuts, and cashews here. All right. No macadamia. No, that's no. also too expensive. I don't like I those either. Yeah, I love those, but that feels like a luxury nut. Well, yeah, how, Megan, Megan, how are you doing in yeah. quarantine? I feel like I'm doing, in the grand scheme of things, as good as can be. Um, You're with your husband. I'm with my husband. We have been married. Like, this is going to seem crazy. We've been married now in a way that quarantine has been half of our marriage. Mm -hmm. We've really only been married like four months. And then (laughs) two months in, we got locked in our home together. Right. But, you know, we're exploring each other. Right. Right. Lots of different types of hand jobs. We have enough space to, oh no. I, yeah, I have actually given like, quite a bit of hand jobs in quarantine <laughs> <laughs> it, more than I was outside of quarantine Interesting. Sure. Why, wow. why specifically has there been a shift is it just well, feel like a little I, less intimate I'm tired I'm full yeah. but I don't want him to <laughs> that really is you know that, to get bored of me <laughs> that really is the, the 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 epitome of a relationship when you're just like too full for anything I'm too full <laughs> I mean I'm too full yeah really yeah 
I, can I, we've can been I, having a lot more daytime sex too, because like my mm. quarantine routine, it's like, I wake up, I'm going to work out, I'm eating right. And then at 6 wow. PM, I get drunk and high and eat seven days worth of food. <laughs> and so, <laughs> at like 10, it's like, well, I'm too, I'm too cold to have sex with you. But check <laughs> right. in with me at 3 PM tomorrow. Right. Oh right. my God. <laughs> <laughs> There is, I've, I've, I've been in a relationship for, for a brief, a little, a brief period of time. Wow. Congrats. Thank you so much. It's my first like adult anything really. Um, but it is like, I do find that like the, I, the thing I look forward to most is like being together and eating, but then that makes me like gassy and bloated afterwards. So I'm like, how am I supposed to manage this? You just go with it. That's that's why the the best way about it is to have sex and then eat. Yeah. Oh, well. Your appetite. It's from this this bitch over here. That guy who's sitting over here eating macadamia now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Elliot Elliot wiggles on a dick three times a day. But anyway, so, but it sounds like, Megan, you've been doing really well. Like, are you like freaking out? How have you been, how have you been emotionally? Emotionally, at first, I was very afraid for my immediate family. I, no. My parents are 65. They both have right. pre-existing conditions. Like, right. it, it, I really had to have conversations with them where I was like, you are old and sick, and I've never told you that, but now you are old and sick, and I need you to know that, and you yeah. need to stay in your home. Where right. do they live? Um, they live in Indianapolis. Which okay. is such a fun curveball. I, ne- I always think of you as like a Chicago girl, but then I forget you're from Indianapolis. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, Indianapolis is, I mean... It's not that what's far the, from Chicago. Yeah, no, what's, the, what's, but, is it, but, what's, what's it like? Isn't it, like, pretty cool there or whatever? Yeah, so Indy <laughs> is, like, very... When, <laughs> when I Islander. tell people I'm from there, they're like, it's so clean. Like, that's how yeah, sort no. of vanilla it is, that, like, that's a compliment. Um, yeah. I think now it's, it's, a, it's a blue dot in a red state. So that's at least exciting for the people that live in Indianapolis. Right. And there are breweries and there's like hipper things. But when I was growing up there, you know, we would go to fish fries. We would go to Pacers games. It, it's, it's Bible yeah. Belty. And yeah. like Chicago is so big city. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, so like and that's where you moved to do, start doing comedy, right? Yeah. So I moved there and then it was like. And I remember because both of my brothers moved to Chicago after college. And I was like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And my brother was like, it's everyone from Indianapolis who thinks they're better yep. than Indianapolis. Like, <laughs> right. It's everyone from Cedar Rapids. Like it's, it's not, yeah. Chicago's cosmopolitan, but it's just filled with kind of people uppity Midwestern other, people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People yeah. from yeah. elsewhere. Uh, elitist yeah. people from, you know, when I Beaver yeah, Lake, when, Minnesota. Exactly. Right. When I go back now, I'm like, oh, it's all Patagonias. Like, it's yeah. not. It, it, yeah, it's pretty vanilla, even in its like the north side. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's highly segregated as well. Yeah, right. Sure, sure, incredibly segregated. How are you coping? Yeah. Because you mentioned you were a Pacers fan, and mm-hmm. you're a huge sports fan. Yeah, big. So what is it? I mean, I know we know nothing here, but ultimately they're playing games without audiences or they haven't even gotten they're that not, far yet. No, so sports is fully shut down right now. The only thing that's happening is the WWE, which I'm not into. That was deemed essential. In right. <laughs> right. So, deemed essential. But like what's great about that too, there, there was a wrestler who had 
um, cancer last year and like, and then someone else who has kids and they were like, no, we're not doing yeah. it. Like, even they're like, no, this is not safe. Like right. my brain may be bleeding, but right, like, I don't right. want to get COVID. Right. Right. <laughs> From um, wrestling. It's because of their Republican connections because Vince yeah. McMahon yeah. is yes. a big Republican. His wife has run. His wife was actually in Trump's cabinet. Blah, blah, blah. No, she is anyway. currently in Trump. Oh, she's still, I thought she, I yeah. thought she resigned. Uh, I think she's currently, I don't know, but okay. she, yeah, yeah, she's there. She was there. I want, she should come in with like a folding chair and whack somebody. In a, <laughs> you know, it's like you're an and idiot. What, right. Your only thing is wrestling. Like, give us right. a little right. showmanship. Wait, what's least. her name? Is it Lynn McMahon? Lind- Linda. Linda. Linda McMahon, I would love for her to come in with a folding chair during the White House press briefing. <laughs> Smack someone and be like, you just got the Linda. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That that, so it's funny. like, bitch, this is your purpose. Yeah. You're not here to like make smart decisions. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so there's no sports. We watched like a few reruns of really, really exciting games. And then there is a Michael Jordan. Yeah, documentary. You, you know the ending of the games. Why rewatch it? Do oh my, it. God. my husband was getting so 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 stressed at the end <laughs> of I think it was Game Four of the 2017 NBA Finals, and it was really <laughs> everyone. But then they they played on ESPN, so it was my timeline was like all people watching that, and yeah. these Cleveland fans were. <laughs> they were I, it was crazy it was so I am, crazy to I am see the, the reactions. furthest from a sports person I don't understand sports I don't get it however I have YouTube TV right and mm-hmm. I just noticed they added um, the Olympic channel or something to uh, the lineup or it was there and yeah. Michael loves the Olympics, like he yes. is oddly yeah. obsessed with the Olympics, and so it's been. It was we put it on earlier as sort of like a background stuff, and I enjoy it. It's yeah, nice. it's like a nice little background activity to make me feel like I'm doing something when I'm not being active. The but Olympics I can't sit down and watch it. Yeah, yeah. No, but the Olympics, they do those like human interest stories mm. so well, so like good. because we don't know those people, but it's like, oh my god, you've been training yeah. at shot put. Yeah. So intensely, and you, everyone in your family was murdered, right. and like you just right. become so invested in right. this Bulgarian you, you shot were, putter. Like you were training to shot put for, and like the first five years you didn't even have a shot put, and then you yeah. finally <laughs> like people bought you a shot put, and then I don't even know what that Olympics. is. What is that? Right, it's, when it's you the ball, the, right? The, oh, like it's the, the ball. Oh, it's thingy. the ball. I think it's uh, the now, ball. Now, like this. Yeah, yeah, the ball. Because uh, the I disc. Guess is the disc. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I love the Olympics. It's it's the kind of sports you couldn't pay me to give a fuck about luge (laughs) Mm -hmm. when it isn't the Olympics, and yet when it's on, I just I'm mesmerized. And it seems so fun. And of course, I'm like, oh, I should have done that. I should have, I should have done luge. I love sledding. Like, like that's just like sort of where I you go. And it's a luge. bummer that we're not going to have one this summer, which is a huge bummer. Yeah. There I always no wonder. Huge bummer for the athletes. What do you mean? You wonder what? I always wonder if there is an Olympic sport that exists that I could have been like the LeBron at, but it just like wasn't big in Indianapolis. Hey, you know, there is always time. My favorite, the only thing I really know about sports is that Gina Davis later in life decided yes! that she, she decided she, be, she went into archery, archery and she almost, right. quali- she almost qualified for the Olympics. Holy shit, which, really? To me, I'm like, you can be an Oscar winner and someday realize that's not enough 
and mm-hmm. go to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. She also started an actual like think tank for gender equality in like oh, she's media. Gen- she's like Minsa. I mean, I think she's oh. legitimately Minsa. She's like she's a genius person, and she knows. Mm-hmm. And she just got received an honorary Oscar this last year. Okay, good for her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I once saw I once saw her in a jersey or a juicy sweatpants at Starbucks. Like <laughs> she, had, no she had on Uggs and a juicy sweatpants, and I was good like, for her, get a girl. Yeah. Get it's a girl. like they yeah. give that to celebrities at some. <clears throat> in a bag yeah. like here's your juicy yeah. and your uggs yeah, if right. you're going somewhere in sherman oaks put it on <laughs> you put on your we uggs. will have you photographed <laughs> now so now you've been married to cj for uh four or eight months four months so we got married december right before christmas and you had didn't you you did go on your honeymoon right we went on, well this is bad we went on the first of what i was planning to be two honeymoons um but the <laughs> second, <laughs> nice but the second honeymoon has now been canceled because the second oh, no. honeymoon was to italy oh um, yeah yeah, were and you going with Joy Behar? She was going soon. to Italy. I would soon. actually love to go with jo- Joy Behar. Just take an <laughs> edible on a transatlantic flight. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, we went to Hawaii for like five days and, you know, we ate a bunch, we drank a bunch, we had a bunch of sex. I smoked so much weed. So it's like, I'm happy to count that as our honeymoon, but I I had planned for like a longer yeah. to happen too. You guys seem to like really like like each other like yeah so, like whenever i talk about your husband you're like you really seem to like you're genuinely it's like, new it's no <laughs> we were we were friends for eight years before we started dating oh wow so we had that. a friendship basis and mm-hmm. sometimes i do like as my friend i still i'm like oh yeah you're awesome yeah mm-hmm. that's really that's really cute. great that's, and you know, also, you're new to Drag Race, right? You've started getting into Drag Ooh. Race? I got into it on a flight last year because wow. I'm, Carrick Clank is one of my best friends yeah. and was actually our wedding officiant and wrote for it. And I, like, it was one of those things where people always were like, you're going to like it, you're going to like it, you're going to like it. And I just was like, when is, when will I have the time? So I started mm. watching it on a flight and an old man sitting behind me who reached <laughs> through, tapped me on the shoulders <laughs> and was like, what is that? And I go, RuPaul's Drag Race. And he goes, what? And I'm like, RuPaul's Drag Race? And he goes, okay. And like, I still to this day have no idea if he was, was like- good or bad. No, yeah. it is. No, you're right. It is one of those shows. I've watched Drag Race on That's many of flights in my life. I doubt, Michael and I have the whole, like we buy the seasons and we download them. And I have been Showing asked off your money. more times. Yep. I have been asked more times- what am I watching? Or like people take interest because it's one of those things that you don't see people watching on public transit. You just don't. Yeah. yeah and it's and really... I think he had probably never seen maybe a drag queen. Maybe he had like seen a drag queen, but like never commercialized in that yeah. way. He seemed, because yeah. he wasn't upset, but he also wasn't happy. He seemed genuinely <laughs> confused. <Neutral. laughs> and like, I so have to funny. get to the bottom of what this is. That's, oh my God. Oh, so <laughs> how far in are you? Um, so I, then I got the flu like right after that. And so I've seen um, five, six, seven, a season, oh. the first season of all stars. I saw all of last season season and then i'm on this season uh who are you rooting for well is it is it can we ask who you're rooting for this season if anybody yeah i um 
gosh, who do I really like? I, I, I mean, the sherry pie of it all is really so crazy. And Pretty like, wild, yeah. Well, we sh- I mean, I, for, for people listening, listeners, yeah, the sherry always, pie was eliminated from Drag Race this season because of some catfishing. Uh, well, it wasn't catfishing. It, it was, was like it more was, intense. It was like yeah. sexual assault level, but it wasn't it direct was, sexual um, assault. Casting fishing. Yeah, yeah. casting mm-hmm. fishing. Yeah, it was. But that whole thing also. I was really, I had really complicated feelings about because it felt like the actual action, which was atrocious, was rooted in such shame that yeah. I, I felt really, um, part of me felt bad for everyone involved. I just felt bad for everyone involved. It was a mm. horrible situation. Yeah. And oh, if, you dis- if you discount Sherry Pie, is there anybody else you're rooting for? Oh, I'm not rooting for her. I just okay. need <laughs> to make that clear. I would be I if do, she weren't a cat. I sure. do not want to be canceled. No, I would be too because I think she's really, really. <laughs> she's an incredible queen. So yeah. funny and cool. Okay, who's left? I'm like Jada. I love Jada. Crystal. I Gigi. love um, Jada's left. Crystal's left. <laughs> Crystal's um, really funny. <laughs> Heidi. I love Heidi. Heidi. I, think, Heidi. I think Heidi is like blossoming yeah. in front yeah. of our eyes too, which is so cool. Um, I love, I mean, I have such a soft spot for Crystal. Crystal is yeah, like, Crystal Gigi. is, yeah. I, I was really kind of um, shocked <laughs> to hear. I mean, Gigi's obviously just like, so incredible beautiful and has these amazing outfits and seems like she has a really good sense of humor crystal talking about her parents and then being so supportive of her and then the twist of like oh they voted for trump and like definitely and they're still really close see i love that i love that because it fucks with liberals minds and i mean i'm a liberal yeah. i'll admit that but like it fucks with liberals minds <laughs> in a way oh you're, oh you're liberal <laughs> no but it fucks with liberals minds in a way that i think yeah, is really interesting because yes. how you can have someone who says yeah i don't agree with my parents politics but we still have a great relationship and they love me and they support me and yeah. they voted for trump still and it fucks with people's heads and i think mm-hmm. that's important Mm-hmm. Also, because he said, too, like, we have those conversations, but then sometimes we have to stop talking about politics. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, it's fascinating. Well, and what, what I would imagine Crystal's, like, parents are able to just, like, hold in their brain. They're like, you are our child. I right. love you. And yeah. then, like, mm-hmm. my empathy ends. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, but like, I wonder, will they watch this show and then be like, oh my God, I love all your new pals. And like, I don't want them to have rights taken away. Like, Mm. it just seems like if Crystal's parents took a vacation anywhere, they would be able to like bust (laughs) out of that a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, a little bit. Oh my God. Well, since you're from the Midwest, I mean, was being in an, I I guess you could say interracial relationship, right? Uh, did your, did oh, that... you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Now uh, I know why you brought me here. No. <laughs> was it a thing? Um, so I, I, the short answer is no, definitely not. Yeah. Everyone thought I was going to marry a black man my whole life. <laughs> so me, it was more of a thing like, wait, Asian? Okay, we did not see this coming. Like, my maid of honor, like, referenced it. Like, she, in her speech, oh, she's wow. like, listen, we all thought this was going to happen. We just didn't think it was going to happen like this. <laughs> but it is really... Wait, why did know, they think it was going to happen? That's, I, I'm... They just, I always, like, in high school, I in college, I 
I had a lot of boyfriends that were black. I had boyfriends that were white. I had just like never dated an Asian man ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like my brother, my dad was like, oh my God, I can't wait to like have a son-in-law I can like play basketball with. Like everyone was like so excited <laughs> oh to have like God. a black person in oh the family. Oh my God, wow. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it was Asian. <laughs> yeah, right. But so hey, Sujay were, can play basketball. So yeah, that's the good they're, news, right? They're definitely like, my parents are... Our, our liberal voted for Hillary. My mom is like, as mm. like, I love people as you could, you know, she's going to the women's March, like alone in Indiana, you know, she's yeah, got her I'm, pussy hat. And then yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, th- but their friends are definitely like, no, where is he from? <laughs> and my mom's like Erie, Pennsylvania. And they're like, no, but like from. from. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and it's a lot of like, oh, you're, uh, it, 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 there's still levels of like, inappropriateness that that happened for sure. Yeah. Oh, he's from Erie, Pennsylvania, too. That's like old school Rust Belt city. Erie is so white, too. Like, he, my mom was like, was there any other Asian people at your school? And he's like, my brother. Um, (laughs) He went to an all boys private school. And so there were kids there on scholarship who were really, really good at sports and and they tended to like be people, men of color. And then it was like these, like the, the Homeland security man went there. Like, it's like feels so different. Than oh, yeah. anything Tom I Ridge, with. right? Yeah. Tom Ridge went there. All the ridges. <laughs> See, yeah. Alan, we we know Drag Race, and Brent knows Tom Ridge. There we go. <laughs> there go. I know that Tom Ridge happened to be from Erie, Pennsylvania. Former Pennsylvania governor Tom Ridge and Bush cabinet appointee. And he, like, is... got CJ out of trouble once. How? Really? CJ pranked their rival boys, like, their rival school that was also an all-boys school. And in the process of the prank everyone was able to identify CJ because he was the only Asian child pulling the prank. And so they like went to the school and were like, Oh, it was like four white boys and that and an Asian kid. And they were like, okay, that's CJ. Mm. And so CJ got arrested. Oh, wow. Then, wow. And then Tom Ridge or somebody like Tom Ridge's brother, they pulled strings and got CJ bailed out and had a lawyer appointed to him pro bono that handled the whole case. Oh, wow. Wow. Tom so Ridge, like, surprising. You guys are evil, Good but like you did help like <laughs> this boy. <laughs> wow. wow. Wait, did, what was the prank? Did they kill a guy? What happened? <laughs> no, they went to their rival high school's graduation uh-huh. and CJ unfurled a banner that said prep owns you. Prep oh, was where okay. he went. Oh. And and then when he was coming down from the rafters, he tripped and Ooh. they caught him. Oh, my wow. God. Okay. And he got into right. college okay, unscathed? <laughs> well, he went to, like, film school, so it's, like, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, no one cares. Part of his application. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're like, right. if you have a GPA, we think that's hack. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Megan... Oh, go ahead, Elliot. Oh, no, I was going to say thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank and, uh, you. We I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, where can people find you? And, and you have a new album out, right? I do. My album is out. Um, it's called My Dad Paid for This. And it's like a really, f- yeah, it's, I always feel embarrassing the title, but then I'm like, eh, Why? it's fun. It's brilliant. It's brilliantly um, funny. It, and I like love the cover of it. Oh I my got God, a it's great. On. I love it. You make um, fun of like a lot of white girls in your act, right? Yeah. That's- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I feel like 
sort of waspy white girls bear so much of the brunt rightfully so of being made fun of, but there's not a lot of us making fun of ourselves yeah. or making fun of yeah. other people or our yeah. world viewpoint. So I try and do that. I was actually thinking about it today. I'm like, I may be too, a little too old for this sorority girl. Yeah. My dad, paper. this is so funny. <laughs> I, I love need that. to transfer into some like, cause I'm not ready to be like, ma- do like mom bits, you know, no, like, yeah. I'm still a fun Fair. slut, even though I'm yeah. married, I'm like a married slut. You're a right. fun hand job slut. Yes. 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 I was just yeah. going to say, so I'll evolve, I'll evolve. I can't wait to be like pregnant and just talking about what a whore I am, you know, like, <laughs> I can't I wait to be pregnant so I can end. talk about being a whore. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I look. That's Banana. my next album. Um, and then, yeah, my Instagram is better Megan Gailey. There was someone named Megan Gailey, and <laughs> I needed to show her. <laughs> so She's now since Megan given Gailey. Megan Gailey up, and I have it, but I'm not using it. Um, so, so better great. Megan Gailey, and then my Twitter is just Megan Gailey. Well, thanks yeah, so much. Thank yeah, so thank much, you for Megan. being here. Today. I love you guys. Well. I love seeing the backgrounds, the dream catchers, <laughs> the wigs, the Christmas lights. It's really they aren't on. They're not on. But <laughs> here's here's my little LeBron doll. Oh, cute. yeah, it's actually really cute. It's that's actually really cute. That's what's going. Oh, and then last, that is a painting from my wedding. Oh, that's great. That's so Gorgeous. great. Nice. Then you know you ha- if you're white, you have to have a painter at your wedding. That's right. <laughs> sure My mom <laughs> said. Thanks, Megan. So Thanks, much. Thanks, Megan. Megan. You're the best. Yeah. And another thing. Okay, so Alan, as you of course, as you guys know, I found a clip. I came across a clip online that was, I guess, floating around on Twitter last week. Mm-hmm. Um, this clip from. Um, the 90s, it was 1996, when Dennis Rodman was on Oprah. And I was like, oh, not only do I have to watch this, but this is like the culmination of all things Alan. Oprah. Mm-hmm. That was her year, Dennis I think, Rodman. where she sang, that was her year that she sang her own theme song, I think. <laughs> oh, run the, on. Run on, uh, run on. I believe I can run on. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that she can't do is sing particularly well. And mm-hmm. even that, she has the audacity to be like, I'm singing my theme song. It is my favorite. Wait, stop. It's We're so good. good. We're going to play a part of the theme song now. I believe I'll run on. See what the end will be. Believe I'll work on. Find out what waits for me. I see 10,000 stories and glories and dreams. See angels right here on earth. It's they told it you, amazing. We, really still, good. we still pause as if we had to pause, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> as if there was no editing involved, but okay. It's such a, it's such a great, um, it's such a great clip, and it's so interesting. The Rodman um, clip you're talking about. The yeah, Rodman. yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I guess Alan, you can talk about Expl- it too because yeah, you were saying the dynamic. Well, okay, so Dennis Rodman sort of you know hit the scene big in the mid '90s because he was a really flamboyant NBA player. His hair was right. always colored, and he was always kind of. You know, he would wear dresses places and he would do a lot of sort of like really uh, flamboyant, provocative things for the mid 90s. And he famously dated Madonna for like two weeks. Um, and he married yeah. himself, right? That that big PR. Well, stunt. yeah, the PR stunt for that was a PR stunt for his book. Um, a lot of a lot of Dennis Rodman, including the conversation with Oprah, was a PR stunt. Let's just be real. Oh, but, for sure, yeah. Um, but and then he later married Carmen Electra and whatever. But he was. Do you think Dennis Rodman has any idea he's been inside you, Alan? <laughs> I I mean. <laughs> 
I don't, I think you're, you're, I, I don't know. I'm not famous enough. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Let's um, change that. Yeah. Well, go ahead, please. I mean, uh, but so Dennis Rodman then went on Oprah to discuss or to promote his book, um, that he had, I think just released or something. And, and well, let's, we'll play a little bit of the conversation. Okay. So, that don't mean that I'm gay. Okay. That's bisexual. the next question coming no, up here. No, I'm not Are gay. You, you, you're not gay. No. Now you did say earlier that when you were a little boy, we're looking at that little picture of your little ears spread on there, <laughs> that you were worried, that you were worried about your own sense of, your sense of sexuality. Growing up in a house with all females. Was, was, I think I think that that's, that's a true statement on my part because you know I, I was very scared to be around guys and boys, little boys, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I would fit in because I was so shy and and, and to myself. So. But you are not gay. You're saying to me you are not gay. No, no, and if you were gay, I believe you would tell me. I think so. I think so. <laughs> so are you bisexual? No. You're not bisexual. No. You do say in the well, you don't have to applaud or not applaud, but that you do say in the you do say in this book you say that maybe in your mind you are. Yeah. And what does well, that mean? I can float with the idea. You can float with the idea. I can float with it, float with it however you want to look at it. I can do anything I want. Uh-huh. Up here. That means I'm gonna go out and act and do it. I uh-huh. think a lot of a lot of people a lot of people can say to you a lot of people say, Well, I can never be with a man. You know, a lot of guys will say, I can never be with a man. Yeah. How can you say that you you thought about it? For you to say, you I think cannot. all men have thought about it? Of course. Of course. I mean, if you sit up there, if I ask one of these guys here, you like to be with a man? No, no, that's just disgusting. <laughs> that's just disgusting. How do you know it's disgusting? How uh-huh. do you know it's disgusting? Uh-huh. You don't know. You don't know. I mean, I'm not saying to go out there. I'm not going to go out there and try it. But I'm just saying that you don't know. So okay, Oprah's teasing him, basically. in, in Not teasing him, but she's, she's uh, prodding like him. She's prodding him. a little. Us, maybe. I think she's prodding him to to talk a little bit about his sexuality and asking very directly, are you gay? Are you bi? Um, and and Rodman is, you know, this is pre like Kim Jong-un buddy Rodman. <laughs> so like this is like he wasn't even though he was a joke always, he wasn't totally a joke. Like he was legitimately a pop culture figure at that time. And he, um, so she asks if he's bisexual. He says no. And then she goes further and brings up the statement in his book where he wrote that he worried about his own sense of sexuality when he was around other men when he was younger. Um, and then he, he then later on said that he would flirt with the idea of being with a man and fooling around with other guys. But that doesn't mean that he's going to do it. And then he goes on to say that he would be lying if, if men, or he said men are lying if they've never thought about being with another man. And so he's saying these things as Oprah's saying, are you gay? Are you bi? Et cetera. And Twitter now in 2020 decided to drag Oprah for these, for this line of questioning, um, in 1996 saying things like 24 years later, 24 years later, saying things like these old clips of Oprah make me realize how problematic she was and how she was able to attain her level of success. She consistently vilified her own community for the white gays for decades. Another user said, Dennis is uh, comfortable with himself. Why the fuck is Oprah trying to pressure him into saying he is gay? Um, and, the, and so that was a general consensus on Twitter of people being like, Oprah, why are you using this? Over you, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. We and, had a, 
we had a question on the from on the DMs about who says you son of a bitch on the podcast. Apparently, people can't tell our voices apart. Oh, it's Brent. Brent. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. interesting and I extraordinarily know. hurtful, but okay. <laughs> I don't know why I do this, but yeah, go ahead. No, but people people are dragging Oprah for it. I my take on it is, and yes, I did lose my virginity to Dennis Rodman, so <laughs> I maybe I'm biased or maybe I, I'm hurt by Rodman. Um no, but I think I think um Oprah is a victim of history and she maybe used language that at the time didn't seem entirely inappropriate, but now would be in a very inappropriate line of questioning in 2020. And she, she was existing in the moment. She was being Oprah. And Dennis Rodman was doing something that pisses and that it really is the genesis for this podcast in many ways, um, sort of co-opting a queer narrative and using queer language and identity without actually being queer at all for your own personal benefit and gain. And, oh, and is it, is it, is, but also... It, uh, isn't he a little queer in the sense that he admitted that sure he would he could think about it or it hasn't crossed hasn't not crossed sure. his mind? I, you know, it's kind of like I kissed uh, like Katy Perry's "I Kissed a Girl" very you much know? so. Very yeah. like maybe she has and and look, uh, you know, I'm supposed to say God love you, you know, if you have or or haven't, but it's it's kind of like I get it. It's like a co-opting of the culture. Uh, you for know, personal gain, to be to gain. get attention, and well, it's, it's an interesting time to play devil's advocate for a second. It, it, 1996. I mean, it makes sense when you're it's 2011, and Katy Perry co-ops gay culture to sell a lot well, of that was, albums that was, to gay people. But like that was like early aughts, wasn't it, Elliot? I kissed a girl. Uh, yeah, I think it was like like oh eight or oh nine actually. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, but yeah. still um, same same yeah. era. But, still, but in 96 yeah. is a different era, which yes, I do it think is. it's kind of interesting. I'm not saying I'm going to give him credit for it, but I think it's interesting to, to that he like wanted to get attention by kind of teasing that when, you know, this is kind of back when like an audience would audibly cringe sometimes. If you talk well, about and to his credit, he was, he was, I mean, his, the biggest fame for him was that he was a basketball, basketball player. Yeah. He was a basketball he, player. He's a, he's a prominent male black figure in sports at the time talking about sexuality in a really interesting way. And I give him like credit the, for that. Uh, the opposite of um, Michael Jordan. He was like, Michael Jordan was like clean cut, handsome, mm-hmm. quote unquote, masculine, family friendly, mm-hmm. you know, aspirational. And Dennis Rodman was like, quote unquote, by curious or whatever, you know, like just to re- like acted out and was, was I always hate misbehaving. When people, I hate when people want to use sort of a queer space and then adamantly say, I would never have sex with a man. Right, right, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Right, like, yes. Like, they say that they want all of the praise for being queer, but then adamantly say, but I would never act on it. And it's like, it's fine. It's fine if you have these thoughts and you want to share these thoughts and your feelings, and that is great. But to me, Dennis Rodman was sort of play, was sort of the Nico Tortorella of the 90s in that he was kind of oftentimes using queer spaces for his own personal benefit. And I don't, I, I mean, to this day, unless he, he and Kim Jong-un come out as like uh, really husbands, that's the only time I'll ever believe that Kim, that Dennis Rodman actually did anything really queer. I was actually going to say, I'm, I'm I, a little surprised to hear you say that because I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I remember, I remember Dennis Rodman, obviously in the nineties. And I remember thinking he was kind of hot. But also, like, yeah, same, I guess, same here. I guess there's something about his his personality where I'm like, oh, I can totally sure. see it. I give him credit for for being open to the conversation, but I also the sort of I think maybe cynical writer journalist in me, comic in me, looks at it and says, "But are, 
how much of this is you just doing this for attention? And Do you think, when you look back now, obviously time and is Oprah different. too. And Oprah too. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, what do you, what do you think about that? Too. I think Oprah was as a talk show host and just in general as a media figure, she too was capitalizing on Dennis Rodman's using a queer and, and he wanted it and he wanted I mean, it and she wanted it too. And listen, like a year later, she plays the therapist on the Ellen's coming out right. episode. And like, you know, she leaned in to the queer narrative in a lot of ways and she promoted and benefited off of it in a lot of ways too. So I think they're both doing the exact same thing here. It's just such an, it's so bizarre to f- that, that something like this, you know, kind of, uh, um, claws its way into like the social media conversation and then people are suddenly like <laughs> against Oprah, you know, it's, and it's, it's like absolutely God, it's, it's absolutely insane. We've railed against this, you know, phenomenon a lot in the podcast, but I always like an opportunity to rail against it because I think it's absolutely crazy to look back twenty-four years at someone who had a conversation 24 years later that you would say, yeah, certainly a little problematic to use a buzzword, but I, 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 I just can't wrap my head around someone writing these kind of broad stroke, um, summaries of all of Oprah's career by saying all of a sudden I realized I can, it's, I'm through the looking glass and I realize you're a charlatan. (laughs) You're a bitch. You've always been against us. You're, uh, you know, whatever they want to say. I just, but I it's can't happening. wrap my head around. It's happening in every, and I think this is the the victim of not only social media, but or the result of social media and social media's obsession with nostalgia mixed in with cancel culture. It's like all of these things yeah. coming into one. And now we're having to face a presidential election like we did in 2016 that is rampant with well, this is what you said in 1994, or this is what you did in 1992, or this is the action you took in 1990. And we're going to have that with Biden, with Anita Hill, and many of his other things that have come mm-hmm. up and he's voted on in the past 30, 40 years of his his, mm-hmm. his time in office. And, and we're going to have it with Trump again, too. And it is a constant thing that we're going to have to be dealing with because of the digital age we live in. Yeah, what's nutty about that is that it's like, on one hand, you have people who are ready to, like, destroy Biden over Anita Hill, which I'm not, you know, I'm, I totally see exactly what's, it's why it's problematic this, you know, this, this many years later, it's, you know, mm-hmm. cringe-inducing, but at the same time, it's like, while we have that and people ready on the left to basically tear down Joe Biden, Trump can get away with every last thing he does and that just that 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 false equivalency is so fucked. Yeah, it but doesn't you can't, make sense. But how do you? I mean, I think that's a losing argument. How do you fight that? You don't. I fight know. That I don't know. That's something. That's something that's just going to keep disarray on the left. I mean, if you have a conversation that is just the left, Democrats, progressive left, whatever, Democrats saying, "Oh, well, they get away with it," then you're not actually solving the problem on your Absolutely. side. Absolutely right. You're just, right. You're just pointing fingers it's, at the it, other side. It's tough because we very famously, I think, the left is way, way more into ideological purity right now than the right. Um, the right voted for a guy who, you Has know, 12 said, accusations of sexual assault. 12 accusations of sexual yeah. assault. I would bet, we don't know this, but I'd bet he's paid for a dozen abortions in his life. Without, and yeah. basically is, is, is as sleazy as it gets, but they, I mean, the evangelicals were his strongest demographic <laughs> in, in t- 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, so it's, it's, it's tough because, they will continue winning if they don't if they don't look for ideological if they don't demand ideological purity 
um, they can, I can't say unequivocally, but they can continue winning. They'll keep filling Supreme Court vacancies while we're kind of we're over here yeah, kind of fighting, uh, eating, you know, eating par- our tails. Parsing, parsing what it means to be a good person. And yeah. I, I personally, not to toot my own horn here, but I personally don't need that. I don't need that from an elected official, from uh, a judge or whatever. Yeah. I, I recognize that, that we are we are imperfect individuals, all of us, and that occasionally we've done something in our past that are, that is worthy of condemnation. Um, but oftentimes I, that's not how I feel. That's, it was, I, it was my biggest thing against, um, not against, but that my biggest sort of gripe with Bernie Sanders and, and the Bernie Sanders campaign in general, in that there was this sort of like, uh, making him into a deity, making him into this perfect figure of change and hope and just sort of, he will guide us into the clouds of change and, and wonderful universe of utopia. And, and to me, whenever you do that to a political figure, particularly a political figure, you are bound for disappointment because nobody's perfect. Nobody in their lives are ever perfect, especially frankly, especially white people, because white people have, have amassed a lot of privilege over the years and have, have, have been able to do it and get away with a lot of things and say a lot of things. And they are, they're going to be held accountable in this digital age for the things that they've said and done over the years and continue to do. And it's like, we can't, we can't make them into perfect beams. We have to let them be the person that they are and know that out of the situation we're in between Trump and this other side, we need to be able to then say, okay, yeah, there are some faults on this side, but it's better than this side. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And also if you think, you know, look, if you think Joe Biden isn't perfect, if you think Bernie is perfect, it's just like, it will all, there will always be an imperfection in mm-hmm. just like you just said, we see it with Elizabeth Warren who has a strident record of progressivism. We saw it with and, Obama and with Obama as well. But Elizabeth Warren had, has this fantastic record for progressivism. And yet you see people tearing her to shreds. If, I mean, if, if you're looking for, if you're looking for a perfect candidate uh, for a political office, you know, you Oprah. better fucking you better yeah you better hold your breath for the next 30 years because it's yeah. it's just it's just or it's, not or it's oprah and we just bury the dennis rodman thing mm. were you attracted to dennis rodman elliot i feel yes. like he's like whatever yes. alley yes. but you were not afraid of him were you also afraid of like his zany hair yes yes okay. i was <laughs> i only it's so funny that i've become so associated with dennis rodman because the only reason why i even cared about dennis rodman was because he dated madonna whom i loved oh in the night like i was obsessed with madonna so because if she's gonna date dennis rodman i'm gonna need dennis rodman stuff so like <laughs> I mean, so the reason the reason that your boyfriend at the time put a Dennis Rodman head in your butt was only because it was the nearest doll that well, you had. Well, Madonna, I, I do I do appreciate you considering a fourteen year old's relationship to be of the status of <laughs> boyfriends. Um, but yes, the the the, ma- the male figure in the room with me at the time who put the <laughs> doll up my butt, um, your uh, lover. Yeah, yes, it was it was worthy of it because that is the level of respect I had for Dennis Rodman at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go Bulls or Bills, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> What would your aunt say? Uh, Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? I couldn't care less about Oprah. I was always a Sally, Jesse, Raphael kind of girl. <laughs> I know my Aunt Joanne would say, you know, just like Megan, we thought she was going to come home with a black guy. 
<laughs> Which is oh, true. God. That's my parents. That's my parents said. Oh, that's right. Oh, really? uh, yeah. Cringe. How about, yeah, how you're about an a, equal opportunity slut. That's right. Oh. Yes. No, that's not the way. Okay. How about Aunt Anne? <laughs> my Aunt Anne would say, I know you guys like to joke and all, but I really can't hear more about Dennis Rodman. I think you need to get a better joke. I need you to move on. I need something. Hey, (laughs) sorry, Alan's aunt is going to be with us until the day he dies. So, well, thanks for listening. Everybody stay safe. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am. This is Brent Sullivan's voice. (laughs) And this is Brent Sullivan's voice. Oh, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. (laughs) See, I can do it. I can be here.